0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere.
2: Welcome to episode 207 of the Barcelona Podcast, home to the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. Brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network and today's sponsor, Deal Dash. I'm Dan Hilton, and I'm again joined by Frances Tomas, Barca columnist featured on ESPN, Barca Blog, and many others. Frances, it seems like the B team is out and the first team is in waiting, but I think we still have plenty to talk about.
3: Hola, Gules. Yeah, it was a shame to see that Barca B could not achieve promotion, but um, at the same time, I was happy with the, with the dedication, the eagerness to, to prove themselves, the hunger. And that is something that, you know, hopefully it can transmit to the first team soon enough. So the, there wasn't a cherry on top at the end of Barca v season, but it was good to see that things have moved forward so much.
2: Well, with the first team still a bit of a time away from less than two weeks now, however, from that Champions League matchup, the second leg with Napoli, we're going to be previewing that on next week's show, really dig into the weeds of that Italian club that isn't really doing too great either since the restart, so both those teams not really looking their best being that Barcelona and Napoli, and we're going to be talking about Barca B on today's show. But where we start today, Frances, is with the interview that Josep Maria Bartomeu gave with Mundo Deportivo. Richard Buxton asks, as we get our first question going here from La Ronda, what do you guys think about Bartomeu's claims in his interview with Mundo Deportivo, specifically the quotes about elections being moved up to April and funding for Espy Barça?
3: Well, it was good to see that he's talking to the media. Um, he hasn't always done that. Um, he had an interview on TV, TV3, so TV3, the Catalan um, TV Corporation, around last week. And then two days ago, it was again with Mundo Deportivo. So I think it's good that someone who's leading the club is, is visible like that and can, can speak their mind, you know, to, to put the culé's minds at ease. Unfortunately, I don't think he did that um, in many of the points. I mean, when you're looking at the uh, Spy Barça, I think that I agree with him that, you know, it is a project that is beyond his mandate. It is, a, it is something that is essential, especially as he explained as well, The facelift that the Camp Nou should be getting, I mean, I have been there throughout my whole life, uh, but obviously, because I've been living in Doha now, and I lived in London before, Wembley Stadium, and pretty much every stadium here in Doha is, unfortunately, I'm sorry to say this, is miles ahead of the Camp Nou, not in terms of history, because no football pitch or stadium can ever match that for the Camp Nou, but... In terms of how much money the club can make out of hospitality, in terms of being a modern stadium that is ready for 21st century football, and obviously being at the at the peak of that, so I certainly agree that the Spy Barça needs to continue and should last his legacy.
2: Yeah, I think for any Culex that have ever gone to the stadium and, and seen a match. At the Camp No, trying to use the restroom and get a bite to eat at halftime is about as easy as trying to make an open field tackle on Messi. <laughs> even using the restroom just during halftime is not so simple at the Camp No. So even the simple amenities can be difficult, but it is a stadium that's full of so much potential. My issue here and the worry is that, that he did mention that Goldman Sachs are ready to help funding for the renovated Camp No over the next four years or so. Where that becomes worrisome is we know that Barcelona are taking in sponsorship money and there are certainly we'll say organizations to me in the world and for those who listen to the podcast before have you know, I've brought up different companies and different areas of the world, like when they went to Saudi Arabia to play, where I get a little uncomfortable. And as far as the Goldman Sachs deal comes, unfortunately Barcelona is in a position just like all the other giants of the world, the, the teams that you consider forming a Europa Super League, and I think that as far as taking that corporate money, all those super clubs have to do it. Barca have to do it. Unfortunately, the the club is not in a point, especially with the debt already that is accrued. With the debt that the club is looking down the barrel of the gun at, there's no way to not accept not only sponsorship money where you obviously now rack it in on the on the front of the jersey. It's not even about a, a jersey sponsor, but everything. The Camp No, instead of calling it the Camp No, it's going to have to be named something, whether that's Goldman Sachs Stadium or whatever it is. And that's where, and we've been talking in the past about the naming rights for the stadium moving ahead too. So the fans are going to still call it the Camp No. It'll always be the Camp No, but things are going to look different and corporate money is necessary. Where that fits in with Bartomeu is that we always have known Bartomeu is more of a businessman than he was a footballing figure. And I think that has certainly hurt the club in footballing ways and footballing decisions. However, I think Bartomeu's interview in Mundo Deportivo is something that he should have been doing and having this kind of dialogue with Kules a long time ago. Because as a businessman, he should have done a better job messaging the fact that as much as Kool-Aids don't want to hear it, the, the corporate world of top level football has changed even in the last 10, 15 years. And I'm not talking about the transfer market with Neymar and all that stuff. It has changed the the top level and the amount of money that's now being thrown around and the amount of money the club has put its debt in. However, Bartomeu also in that instance would have to have accept the fault that has come with some of the bad moves, including Coutinho and the price that they paid for Dembele. Not the player, but the price that was paid for Dembele. Uh, and of course uh, Griezmann as well. So all the business that was done poorly Bartomeu I think it's a hard juxtaposition to do that so but I you know and just like you I think from this interview I think is one of the better ones that he gave but as I said I wish the messaging about making Kool-Aid feel a little more at ease about we'll say the corporate selling out of the club because it's not what it is it's a necessary evil but to have made that that necessary evil a little more palatable for the fans.
3: Well, as you mentioned, it is clear that, you know, you've got the Smoothie King and the Staples Center and you've got the Alliance Arena and pretty much in every sport, any corporation, any club, um, any business, because really it is a business at the end of the day as well. um, As much as we want to be romantic about it, it is a business. And if it wasn't a business, the Barca would never be able to compete at the highest levels anymore. Um, That is something that has happened, is happening, and it is a necessary evil that we need to go through.
2: Yeah, agreed. And it was interesting. The I think the most interesting comments here, we're going to talk about a bunch of them also at the end of the show, but it was about those elections that that Richard also asked about, that moving them up to April, I, I guess that's a little bit interesting, but it also does signal to you and let you know that Bartomeu, as much as—this uh, is going to sound like a defense of, of the president, but as, as much as people might get on him and want him to leave and want him out— it's almost an admittance, I think, moving up those elections. I don't know all the reasons, but moving those up to April because of all the things that have happened. Yes, maybe it is him just wanting to leave and, and get out. And maybe he knows, maybe he knows the direction that the Koolays want to take the club in next. And that might not be necessarily a that might be opposed to the way that his vision is set out or his vision has come to fruition at the club. But I think those are certainly the most interesting piece of news that he was willing to admit that the elections might be moved up to next April. And I I think that doesn't really change much, though, Frances, in the big scheme of things, because he also brought up that he has a good relationship with Xavi. And I think Xavi is the big name that you're going to hear more and more and more about. And the the final point there, I just want to say that we hope that Xavi, who who does have COVID-19, I do hope that Xavi rebounds as quickly as possible, can get back to coaching as soon as possible. But I don't think moving them up from April, two or three months ahead of when they were supposed to be, is going to change the next the next year for the club at all.
3: It is really interesting. Um, part of me thinks that, because obviously, as I just said before, Barca is a football club and the sporting, in my eyes, the sporting area has to take priority against everything else. Um, I think having the election in the middle of April is not going to help the team on the pitch. I think that, and I have experienced many elections in my lifetime, and Barca elections, of course, um, there's going to be, next season is going to be very difficult for sporting reasons. Um, obviously, we're not going to have the transfer power this season that we traditionally have, and uh, we will be lucky if we can get Lautaro Martinez, because in the same interview, Bartomeu was saying about, you know, not not having any players incoming unless they're part of a, of a switch deal, which is obviously very, very difficult to achieve. Um, so... If next season on the pitch, from a sporting perspective, is not fantastic, which I don't want to be too pessimistic, but it is doubtful that it will be incredible. We won't go back to the older years, and I don't think we will be close to that either. But, you know, let's, let's take the pessimistic me aside. Having an election in April means that from, I want to say, November, December, there's going to be ongoing attacks, disagreements, things said to the media by all the different candidates. I mean, Barça don't traditionally have just one candidate that is the continuista, which is would be the Bartomeu dolphin, Delfin, like we say in, in Catalunya, the, the 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 endorsed um, continuistic candidate for Bartomeu. There's not, it doesn't seem to be one, but I think that eventually would someone will come up and take the button of what Sandro Rousset and and Bartomeu have taken forward, um, at least to, to you know to be part of the election. Then you've got Victor Font, which I think is a a very strong candidate. But obviously, it remains to be seen that the sources who ultimately are the ones that will vote are actually behind him. But then you've got other people. You may have Laporta coming back. Um, He's been quite quiet lately. So that, in my experience, indicates that he's preparing something. There are a couple of more businessmen um, that have come up. Um, in sport a mundo deportivo lately uh, whose names escaped me at the moment uh, but i think that you know for the general public or our listeners to the podcast i think once they have actually said yes we want to you know run for presidency then we should profile them but at the moment they're just you know several businessmen around Catalunya saying that they could that no one's confirmed saying that they could go for it and um because of all of those reasons and that circle that would be formed, I think that April is a very weird time in terms of sporting and would definitely affect next season. However, I think that moving forward to what comes after, I think it is quite clever because, you know, you got the election in April and say Bartomeu comes out and, you know, Mr. X comes in. Then whoever is the successor will have enough time not just to take the reins of the club in June, July, when you know most of the transfer season is finished or, or you know you need to have your transfers pretty much worked on since i want to say january at the latest um in order to to one of these big signings come to fruition so from a class perspective from a preparation of the future perspective i think april could actually be a great idea I, I, obviously it is unusual of us to have an election that early in the year but um, i'm in two minds i think that in the short term, I think it hurts the club in the sporting position. But in the long term, I think is the is the right thing to do.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's a good point too. And what I would say about the candidates in particular is that as this does heat up and more names grow a little strength to them, and Laporta has also already come out. And just like I, we think of not to, I don't mean to say the name Luis Figo to you, Frances. I I know that that boils your blood, but right when it comes, yeah, com- I'm switching off. <laughs> I'm switching off the podcast good night. <laughs> Well, when it comes to, obviously, Florentino Perez back in the time and uh, Luis Figo and all that happened there, the we have to remember that Florentino Perez got to be president of Real Madrid because he made that promise. And even remember Juan Laporta, when he had his push, he also was making a promise of David Beckham. And he obviously still was brought in, but Ronaldinho comes instead. Victor Font, without being too biased towards him or Laporta or anybody else, he is over the last now multiple years has tried to lay a long plan. And unfortunately, what's going to happen in the media, as does with any uh, election for presidency, wherever you may be in the world, is that his talking points are going to be boiled down to be, he's the guy that's associated with Xavi, or he's saying that XYZ big name player might be the guy that he can bring in. Laporta, if he continues to run, is probably gonna try to attach his name to a player, to a big name player and say, this player is gonna be the one to change our club and I'm the one who can bring him in. These businessmen are gonna do the same thing. They're gonna make one promise and that's gonna be the thing that the media might run with. And uh, Mundo Tebow or Sport or Marco, uh, whoever it is in, in in Spain, those Spanish newspapers are going to run with. And so I think, I, I know it, for the socios that listen, we appreciate your vote and we trust you to make the right decision. But for everybody else, I would say when you're having dialogue about these presidents, the best thing to do is not just to boil their campaigns and their promises and their visions for the club down to one or two things and, and recognize that these presidents should at least have... because. Barcelona, it encompasses so much. It encompasses corp- uh, corporate sponsors, and it obviously La Masia is, should be a big, big priority for the club and the outreach that the club still does. Remember when UNICEF was a big part of what the club represented itself to be, and it still sits on the back of the jersey, but yeah, and the women's team moving that forward, and obviously the basketball team and handball and the ways that COVID-19 and the pandemic have hurt the other sporting apparatuses at the club it's not just the first team of football which i know it does bring in the most money but fc barcelona has multiple sports and arenas and all these different things so taking over and being president of fc barcelona is a huge huge job that you can't just say not even lautaro martinez but you can't just say i'm going to bring neymar back and that's going to solve every problem that the club has that's not what's going to work so i would say just be vigilant and do your homework and i i hope to see I don't have much faith I will see, but I do hope to see some nuanced dialogue about the presidency. And I did mention Barca B, and we're actually gonna be really digging deep onto the second team right after the break. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up 1 cent every time you bid. The kicker is that auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discounts. Go to dealdash.com and use the offer code TBPOD. That's T B That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M backslash T-B-P-O-D. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, BetOnline. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ori. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit BetOnline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So just like with the first team and the club at large, this upcoming season is going to be an interesting one from Barca B. Now, we did get some questions about them failing to, you and I both watched this match on on Barca TV, Frances, the defeat for Barca B to Sabadell, 2-1, their Catalan rivals, so Ellie and I wanted to mention a few others, also asked similar questions. Ellie just happened to be first on the on the docket. So what impact does this loss have on Barca B's players? Are players like Manchu and Kayado more likely to leave permanently on a loan compared to getting promoted to the first team, or is there a world where they would stay with the B team? Any other players who you can think of that will be impacted negatively by leaving the club or positively getting promoted because of failing to go to Segunda? Now, before... I think, Frances, I'll take the the brunt of that question from Ellie. I kind of listed them all out, and you know me with my my lists and precision <laughs> to detail. So I just want to ask about. It,
3: Dan. We're all eagerly awaiting <laughs> your list. Well, so I just want to <laughs>
2: ask your initial thoughts and reactions to whether or not the te- like what is this what is the silver lining of the team not being promoted to this to the second division? I think would be the question for you.
3: All right. So I would say that it was sad to see, as said at the beginning, that Barca B were not promoted. Um, I do think that it was abundantly clear that there were, I want to say, three, four players that have outgrown Segunda División B, and unfortunately, they're going to, or fortunately, not necessarily, it doesn't have to be a negative, they can't really stay at Barca B. I think that Montu was, um, as you've been saying all season, was instrumental, not just in the last game. Uh, I think he had a good enough game in the, in the final, but the two games running were was very significant. He was basically carrying the team uh, from the midfield. He was leading, he, had, he has charisma, um, he knows um, the tempo of the team. So absolutely, I think that Monchu should either be promoted to the first team, but obviously he wouldn't have many minutes there, or looking for a loan option option as well. He, has, he has, definitely has to play in Segunda División at, at least. Um, I don't think he would be getting much playing time if he was loaned out to a Primera División team. Um, similarly, and we didn't see him in the final, obviously, due to injury, I think Collado, throughout the whole season, he was instrumental. And I really do think that he's got enough quality to actually make it to the Barca first team. Um, I don't see him getting too many minutes. But I think that playing alongside uh, Messi, Suarez and, you know, Sergio Roberto Busquets, et cetera, would really help him. Um, I was very impressed with Akeme throughout. Um, I think that he's got a lot of physicality um, for a fullback that is necessary. Same thing can kind of be applied to Conrad. And obviously, our U.S. listeners um, have got a soft pause for, for, you know, the national U.S. Uh, youngster. So, yeah, I think both of them really have shown that they could be loaned up elsewhere. I think they're both two verdes, so not just quite ready. They're two green in Spanish. They're not just quite ready for the first team, but I think that especially AQM could definitely help a team in Segunda División A or maybe a team internationally like probably Miranda has done, um, hopefully with a better result than that. So ultimately, I think that Garcia Pimienta um, has got a, a, a team that, you know, they've always been hungry, but they're even hungrier for promotion now. I mean, They were so, so close. They're 45 minutes away, basically, from making history for for Barca, which not many players can say. And I think el el bloque, so the core of the team, has to stay together. I absolutely believe that García Pimienta is the right man to lead them because, you know, this is a man that's worked at La Masia for over 20 years and knows every player that's there now and every player that's left over the last 20 years. So imagine the knowledge that the guy does have. And, uh, yeah, I think the, the core of the team has to stay there. I, I'm not even mentioning Ricky, Ansu, or Araujo. I think they definitely have to go to the first team. But I think the core of the team with a couple of signings from you know, uh, local Spanish clubs should be enough to go forward. I'm very intrigued to see what you've got in your list, Dan.
2: Yeah, well, Bartomeu did mention that Puj, Araujo, and Fatih will be promoted to the first team permanently. They're not in any way B-team players. And Fatih was already in that category for a while. But Puj is going to be a first-team player. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I I agree with you, too, that this team is going to get a little bit of a facelift. And I think that's unfortunate because this is one of the better parts of B-Sides that we've seen in multiple years. But there are just too many players that can't be playing third division football again next season. And the silver lining there is that even though the club on paper is going to be worse, because as as I've mentioned in the past, you're going to have a the, the core of the club next year is going to be now basically 17, 18, 19 years old, which is still different than this year's club where the average age in that final for Barca B was 20 years old and Sabadell starting 28 year old so you want to know one of the reasons why Sabadell was able to pull through in that match well eight years of an average age on the squad is 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 different so that's one of the reasons and for Barca B just that year or two of a younger average age having the core of your team be 18-19 as opposed to 20-21 is going to wind up mattering in the results where I don't expect them to be pushing for promotion next year however the group that is going to make up the core of next year Barca B squad under Pimienta I think have a higher ceiling than what some of the players on this year's squad was so here's the list here we go I basically, I basically broke up this roster into four different sections it was players who were going to be promoted outright to the first team and I don't see why not it's players who are going to need first-team football, and I can't imagine them with the B team again next year. There's the players that kind of just belong in the third division or at that level, and why would they leave? And then there's the developmental players that are 17 to 19 years old that I said are going to make up the core of the team, all of which might have some first-team potential if things go right for them, and the next two or three years of their professional careers wind up working well for Barca B. So Ranking number one, the, the guys who are promoted, I already mentioned Puj, Araujo, Fatih. Also remember that Trincao and Pedri, not La Pancia products, but they're going to be around the first team picture, it should be. Alenia is also going to be returning. He's only in his third season of first team football, I want to remind everybody. And they also have Musawage, Oro, Busquets, and Juan Miranda floating out. I'm not sure what their future is. Most likely with how the club needs money, I wouldn't expect any of those players to be FC Barcelona players by October or November. And with that list, you might notice that I haven't mentioned any other players that you watched for Barca B being the first team. Because unfortunately, as far as players that need first team football, but I don't think there's going to be room for on the Barcelona roster, which as we see with Trincao and Pedri and the guys who are promoted already, you're already talking about five or six new players, young players into the first team next year. It's going to look a lot more youthful, which is a good thing. But that means less room for the players that are farther down that, that useful depth chart. And so when it comes to Manchu, Alice Cayado, who I mentioned, I think he's good enough to make for appearances for the first team. But with his injury, he's probably going to miss the preseason. And that is, I think, basically going to freeze him out, which is really, really unfortunate. It was an awful injury, Kayado, for both Barca B and his own career, timing-wise. As you mentioned, Sergio Akemi and the right-back, Danny Morer, they're already in their early 20s. And they're at a point in their career being 21 and 22, respectively, that they shouldn't be languishing in the third division anymore. I think they're good enough to play in levels above that. So I would expect that if Barca can get three to five million for them, that the club will sell them on. I I don't even expect a loan there. Inaki Pena, who he actually did have a rough three matches in trying to get promoted, but Inaki Pena, it seems like Bartomeu also said that Neto was one of the top 10 goalies in the world, so that is basically a message to Inaki Pena that if, if Bartomeu says that Neto is a top 10 goalie in the world, which is obviously not true in any way, that Inaki Pena cannot expect to be in the first team picture. So that means he needs first team football, Ludo Reis, who the club spent $3 million on. He'll be 20 next year, but they spent $3 million on him to be in the third division. So I'm already raising my eyebrows there, and he's not good enough to make the first team, certainly. And then rookie Abe, another one of the big injuries to the B team this year. He's going to be 21 next year and then coming off a major injury. So I could see him stay with, with Barca B, but in the same way, he might want to try to push himself being 21 years old into first team football. But Rocky Abe of that group is the only one that I can see potentially staying with Barca B next year. Then we have, I'll get a little quicker here, the third division talent, as I'll, I'll call them, Ray Minaj, uh, yeah, he trained with the first team sometimes, but Ray Minaj is, uh, in, in, to my eyes, not good enough to be playing for FC Barcelona. And I think he fits well in the third division in Spain, no offense to him. The captain, Ferran Serenades, who has had a ton of injuries in his career, unfortunately. A, a case of Sergi Samper, just with not as much talent, unfortunately. He is their captain, and I could see him just getting to be able to play and be on the field for Barca B, even though he's, I think, he's going to be 23 next year. So he's another one. Oscar Mengueta, I mentioned before. He came up with that generation with Chumi and Cuenca, but I just don't think he has the tools to be a first-team player for Barca. So I could see him staying with the club for, until his contract runs out. Mateus Pereira who I just noticed this the other day. I had mentioned that Alejandro Marquez was sold to Juventus in January for 8 million euros, the, the striker, and Mateus Pereira came back on loan. However, that loan expired, and the club then has to pay 8 million for Mateus Pereira. I watch, You watch the, the, the matches, Frances. Is Mateus mm-hmm. Pereira worth 8 million euros? Or is this, I mean, not or. This was certainly another deal that the club did very quietly in January that I didn't notice to try to balance the books. But to spend $8 million on Mateus Pereira is absolutely absurd.
3: It's ludicrous, isn't it? Um, yeah. I just don't think that, obviously, you you, you notice that the, the surname rings a bell because you've read about him and, um, you know, you've seen all of these transfers going back and forth. But obviously, as you're saying, a little bit underhand, um, underreported for sure. It's laughable. It's ludicrous. I mean, this guy is not worth a million euros, never in a million years, but... You know, that's one of those strange signings like, you know, Douglas back in the time, you know, they're just really weird. And uh, for some reason, and no disrespect here, for, for some reason, uh, the vast majority of these weird signings seem to come from Brazil for some reason. I've got nothing else to add because I yeah. don't know anything else, but it just, it just stinks a little bit.
2: Yeah. Well, let me finish my list. Lucas de Vega, who was loaned to Cartagena, who got promoted to the second division, he will be back in the Barça B picture. But he was a major player for Cartagena, so they could actually buy him outright. And obviously the club would love to take some dollars from Cartagena who will get promotion. So Lucas de Vega, I, I think he's a third division talent, but we'll see what happens to him next year. And then you have the core of the team, though, for development-wise. So I mentioned Inaki Pena having to be loaned or moved to another first division side or second division side. That's because Arnau Tanas is just a year younger and is really, really good in net, has a lot of potential, and Arnaud Tanas should be the number one at Barca B next year. We saw Es Moriba, he'll get another year in Barca B. Same thing with Conrad De La Fuente, Andre Oriana, Gerard Peque Fernandez, Niels Mortimer, Nico Gonzalez, Alvaro Sanz, Sergio Rosanas, Mika Marmol. Those are all players that were around Barca B this season. And even though Rosanas didn't make an appearance, I don't know if Alvaro Sanz ever made an appearance either, but the rest already got time with Barca B and is in Pimienta's picture. And as Pimienta said himself, the, the squad that started the season for Barca B. Looked nothing like the one that ended it, and was fighting for promotion. The team got a lot younger, and it was infused with a really talented juvenile squad, along with Igor Santiago Ramos uh, Mingo, who never played for Barca B this year. He was a Boca Juniors addition, and then we will also have to see that. You talked about the Brazilians, Gustavo Maya from Sao Paulo. We're gonna just have to see what those players add. As that Maya was a three million euro Brazilian, so well, yeah, already eyebrows are being raised. But as I said, the big picture here and what the Barca B is going to look like next year is much younger but I think there's a talented group of young players that is going to make up the core so I know that it's disappointing that they didn't make promotion and I think where I'm going to leave this idea is that as much as we are disheartened that they're not going to get the experience of the second division because of the way that the squad is going to look next year from 17 to 19 maybe it's not the worst thing that this group of teenagers isn't gonna get the, the the trash kicked out of them in the second division next year. They'll continue to get the trash kicked out of them in the third division on worse pitches. But the point is that if Puj and Fati, they've showed you Fatih went from juvenile A to straight to the first team and he was ready. Puj he's been a, he was at Barça B for a while, but he was at Barça B in the third division. Same thing with Araujo. And then they made the move to Barça, FC Barcelona whether these players are playing in the second division or the third division. If you're 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, if you're good enough to make Barcelona, it doesn't matter if they're coming from the third team or the second team, and in Fati's case, even from A off, the, the the really, really, really big prospects. So I think if you're good enough, you're gonna make the first team. And I think there are definitely a lot of names there that I said, and as pessimistic as it might feel, and it's as heartening as it might feel, because I think a lot of people have their attention on Barca B this year in ways that I haven't seen in recent years. I actually am pretty optimistic about the talent that is there for the future.
3: For sure, that's a fantastic list, um, as always, and good job. Uh, I've got nothing much to add. Just to say that the matches in Marbella really showed that the, the, the talent in Barca has continued to come through La Masia, and there's been a lot of criticism of La Masia not producing world-class talent, such as Xavi, Iniesta, Messi, but you know, we need to remember that, that that's probably going to be once in a lifetime, if ever, is going to be repeated, and, and you know, it is extraordinary to have one player of the caliber of, um, I don't know, even Busquets or Pedro coming through. Um, and you know, that's what we've got with um, Ansu Fati and Ricky Puig, etc. But out of the hundreds and thousands of children that eventually play for Barca in their lifetime, if there is one that is tremendously capable and can start at Barca level, that that is a blessing in disguise. And obviously, my brother played in Segunda Division B and, and Tercera Division for many, many years. and. I think that if you look at the, especially in the final, Sabadell were not better than Barca at all, but obviously they have Oficio. They've been, you know, they're eight years older than average, as you, as you mentioned. And when you play football, it's not just about pretty pass, passes and touches and back heels and all sorts. You also need to play the game. And in in the, in the second half, they were just, you know throwing themselves on the floor when they were ahead obviously they were wasting time they were egging the the youngsters on and the, the, you know the Montu in particular and other players they just couldn't control the pressure and that is part of football and that is why I slightly disagree with what you said that I think that in segunda division a if you play there you're going to be much more ready to um, to be exposed to the same style of clever football, clever in inverted commas, but at a higher level. So I think that promotion to the second division would have been great. Um, I still agree with you that, you know, if you're going to make the jump and you're, you're capable, then it doesn't make that much of a difference. But I think for the core of the team to to be first team ready, and not just that, if you think about it, from a financial perspective, a player that's been playing for one or two seasons in Segunda division, if they are not going to make the a first team and you have to loan them on or in a, from an economical perspective, sell them on for profit, I think they're going to be more valuable. But, you know, I, I'm happy that um, there are several players, as we mentioned already, coming out of this crop that can continue to develop their, their career and hopefully benefit Barca either on the pitch or from an economical perspective in the long run.
2: Yeah, I think that's right, though. I think that's actually a really good point that you brought up about how these players in the third division, just like in a Kame or a Morair, they would be worth a little bit more on the market if they were playing in the second division as of the third division. Yeah, and I do want to mention too that I was pretty critical in the Patreon Quick Take Match Review of the referee And all three referees, I thought they had, they proved themselves to be third division officials as well. So there's a reason when you see officials not in the first division and you see the same faces as far as referees in La Liga. I know they do work for Real Madrid. I say that, you know, tongue in cheek, but they still are first division referees who do Champions League matches, who do World Cups. And those in the third division are making a lot less money to be on those pitches in the third division. And I think that showed as well in that match. And Pimienta was upset about that. But Pimienta also said how proud he was of the, the club and I'm excited to see him for another year in charge of Barca B and then I hope that he has a future as an assistant or whatever it may be at the club. But Douglas does ask, do you think Pimienta would leave to manage a first-team club in the Liga? It doesn't seem like he'll ever get a shot as the first team manager at Barcelona.
3: That's a very good question, um, I okay, I think he would be ready. Um, I think that, you know, he's got the skills, he's got the knowledge, he's got the right style. Um, he's got a very good knowledge of young players that obviously he could sign on the cheapish if he was to go to, uh, say, Alaves or anything like that. Uh, but I think he's a La Masia man, to be honest. I think that what he's doing at Barca is very special. I think that he's valued. I mean, let's not forget that his contract was renewed, well, I think it was two, three weeks ago, really, on the last day of his of his previous contract which is baffling but you know let's not digress <laughs> um so i think he's got the skills but i think that you know there may be a chance coming his way eventually if he stays at barca um Gartume was very clear in his interview that kike Setien is the man to take barca forward. um as i wrote about it this week i'm not sure he's going to last all of next season um i think that as i mentioned in the piece that i wrote i think that he's it's quite clear that he's already lost the dressing room or at least the relationship is not as fluid as it should be. Um, if, he was, if I was chairman, if I was president of Barca, I would sack him um, after the Champions League, and I would try and find a, a manager to have in the interim. Um, to be honest, I think García Pimienta would do as good a job as anybody else, especially if you want Barca to you know, promote these La Masia youngsters. Um, Guardiola did it when he came from the second team. Luis Enrique did it when he came from the second team. I see no reason why García Pimienta couldn't do it. Granted, he was a professional player, but he he played for Barca B and he debuted for the Barca first team, but he was never an international. He was never a regular, even a Barca. So I think that players like Messi, Suarez, Alba, Busquets, Piquet may find it hard to relate to someone who, you know, at a professional level as a player was a nobody, really. Um, but I think they would show him some respect because obviously he knows La Masia and if he was going to... Uh, bring a transition from within, I think he would be he would be a good choice. I'm happy that the decision is not up to me, uh, because otherwise I could, <laughs> I could get criticized enormously for whatever decision goes wrong. But um, I just don't think Setián is the right person for, for next year. Um, granted, he's already started, so you could continue. But, um, and I know I've mentioned several times, I'm just very wary of what Barca will be next year. I think it could be a Paul in which is um, an accident waiting to happen.
2: Yeah, I you know, I think that that whole manager needed to be a top, top level, like as a Zidane-level player or a Guardiola-level player to succeed as a manager. I think that's a little bit overblown. I think there is some kind of truth to that when it comes to these top top players, sure. But you look at Tito Villanova or Jose Mourinho, and I know those are. it's hard to even— I can't believe I'm saying both of those names in the same breath, but when you look at i <laughs> thinking back to the eye poke, but when you think of Villanova and when you think of Mourinho— And when you think of even in Germany, you have the very useful coach in Nagelsmann, who is one of the best young managers in the entire world that easily commands his dressing rooms. I think there are managers with good ideas and that even if they got a little bit of playing in, it, it shouldn't just have to be top, top level players becoming managers, because you look at what happened with Terry Henry, who's now in the MLS, but you look at what he had had with Monaco, where you thought that having Terry Henry take over at Monaco for that these, these 20 to 22 year olds who actually were too young to watch him actually play, that these players would then fall right in line. It just didn't work out that way. And so I, I do agree that the cult of personality can be important, too.
3: For sure, but I think that if there is one club in the world in which that really, really matters, is Barca, uh, because El Entorno, the, the media, the, the fans, they are very, very quick... Well, they, we, <laughs> really, are very quick to pile up on uh, on someone who, you know, doesn't have the credential with think to and I don't want to digress too much, but Frank Lampard, for example, um, club legend at Chelsea, a team that over the last pff, 15 years, really, um, have been business-orientated in the sense that, you know, at one point they had, I don't know if it was, like 30 players they had signed and loaned out and then returned, et cetera. Well, they got the transfer van last year, and Lampard has made eight academy players debut, and uh, loads of them are establishing the same at first-team level. And how great would it be by the end of next season? You could say that there were eight players, maybe include Pedri and Trincao on that, that um, are established themselves at first team level. That would be uh, the the facelift that we've been asking for for you know nearly two years at Barca.
2: Yeah, I, but that's another idea though. That I think that it it shouldn't take a manager who is associated with Barcelona that says, oh, he he understands La Masia and he understands the point of the club, and that those are the only people that are going to be able to bring up academy products. I just think that. <laughs> If if this is the criteria, then these interviews need to be a little more thorough and a little bit better about you know you shouldn't just be able to take this is a former player, this is a former La Masia player, this is a former player that was just associated with Barcelona that that winds up being the criteria, and you think that that is going to be the indication to how they're going to run the club because going back to Ernesto Valverde, that's not how our expectations for what he would do at the club based on the simple pedigree that we gave him that he was a former Barca player that he used a lot of youth products at Athletic Club those were what we believed he would continue on to Barcelona but we know that that Barcelona job comes with its own set of parameters and can literally change a manager that can make what uh, a manager's vision and ideas are in that opening press conference and it always seems to flip it on its head unless you really are the kind of personality that is Pep Guardiola and there aren't many like him in the world. So let's finish this up though with some transfer talk. Pancho Damjan, Polkit, they all had similar questions in response to Bartomeu's mentioning of Lotaro and Neymar that we spoke about earlier in the show. Bartomeu had stated that Lotaro and Neymar are not really in next year's picture seeing as there is no pure striker also with the B team ready for the jump as I had already mentioned and the reasoning as you mentioned earlier Lataro and Neymar Bartomeu said that economically the only way to get those kind of clubs in is going to be with major swaps and that's a lot of moving parts and difficult to do. So Pancho asked, should we go after a younger La Liga experienced striker like Loren at Real Betis, Porto or Alexander Issek with Real Sociedad or stick with Martin Brothwaite as the backup or maybe even give him more time I don't know about that and Damjan asks about the uh, Gabriel Jesus for Man City if he would be a good signing and then Polkett mentioned uh, Richarlison from Everton because Everton will not be playing European football next year and Frances I, I can't believe I'm saying this I can't believe I'm saying this of all the younger names that we mentioned, and I think Issyk is the most promising, but he said he's staying at Real Sociedad, and he's going to be major money that Barca are not willing to pay, so I actually would take him off that early list. Rich Haraldson is also like $60 million to $70 million, so I wouldn't even put him in that category either, but I think it's going to be Luis Suarez again next year.
3: It probably will be. Um, I just want to call a spade a spade, but Tomeo did not say that Lautaro wasn't coming. Um, I watched the interview in Spanish, so... And, and that's the problem with the media. So um, there is an interview in Spanish, then some do translate it into English. Uh, this could be anybody from anywhere in the world doing it on Twitter. Uh, then that gets spread out and then people believe what they believe. Bartomeu did not say that Lotaro Martinez is not coming. What he said is that they, there has been negotiations with Inter, there have been conversations, he said. Um, there's been conversations from, you know, from several months now. And that at this moment, the negotiations were stopped. And then he very quickly sh- shifted towards saying that the focus for his presidency right now is to stabilize the economy of the club because of the coronavirus pandemic.
2: Yeah, that's he said, what he said. And and he said and he said that because of the Champions League. That's what he said. That he wouldn't pick up any conversation with Toreo Martinez until after the Champions League. And that's the important percent. That's the important key there. That Barca is still playing their current season and the transfer window. As much as they've made, they've had business happen. The window has not actually opened yet. So we're we're still stuck on that. And more importantly, the money he was talking about was he also made claims that he's confident that Messi will renew. So that's something that he should be saying about just because he quoted Messi himself and saying that he always wants to be a Barca. He said that a new deal for Ter Stegen is a priority, which makes a lot of sense. I think any president uh, you and I would be smart enough to consider that. And he also said that there was an option to automatically renew Suarez's contract for another season in the 2021-2022 season if he makes a certain number of appearances. So uh, those yeah. are also the things that he said.
3: Yeah. So I think, back to Laudato, I think that um, the key here, as he already mentioned, Bartomeu mentioned in his in his interview, in his conversation, he said that um, they need to find clever ways to do swap deals. Now, I think it's, it's been reported, and I think it's quite obvious that they would like to include somebody to go to Inter Milan um, to to make things cheap. I mean, that could be Rafinha, but that hasn't been mentioned anywhere. So I'm just just saying that because, you know, he's played for Inter before and he did pretty well. Uh, But it seems to be Junior Firpo. Junior Firpo really has been largely disappointing for Barca. I mean, he's had some minutes, but he hasn't really uh, at any point proven that he should be a starter for Barca or even that he's a worthy backup for for Jordi Alba. Um, But apparently Inter seems to rate him. So um, if he can make the transfer for Lautaro cheaper, I think he still should be our first priority. Um, Martin Braithwaite, I think he's been decent for Barca when he's played, but then again, he hasn't played enough. I put the blame solely on Setien for this. I think that if uh, Braithwaite had played the minutes that, you know, we paid 18 million for him for half a season, that's quite a lot of money, really, if, especially if this is someone that you're ne- not gonna, really going to trust after. Um, then he became super expensive, even though he's just, inverted commas, just 18 million. So I think that Braithwaite really is going to be shipped out. Um, hopefully, someone can buy him for the money we paid for him, because otherwise, you know, he's covering up space for Trincao and arguably Pedri. I don't think he's going to play as a winger, but arguably him as well. And certainly Ansu Fati. Then you've got Griezmann, Dembélé, who I don't think are going to leave this season or definitely this summer. So, no, I think Bredewitt has to go. Um, it's about getting him a, a good destination from an economic point of view for Barca. And, and Luis Suárez is going nowhere. Um, but I, what I do strongly believe is that he needs to come up from, as a bench player, and make an impact like Larson used to do. And I think that the signing of Lautaro, as you mentioned last week, I think is absolutely essential. And I think Bartomeu knows that, but obviously he cannot really say that to the media. Sure.
2: Right, right. Of course, again, Lautaro is another team's player. And Lautaro himself has said that he wants to stay at Inter next year. But we obviously all know that players say things and it's not always what's happening behind the scenes. And to the point of Brothwaite, I think his minutes should go to Trincao next year. Trincao... I know making the step from the Portuguese first division and being a main pivotal figure for Braga to Barcelona is a big jump. Even an Antoine Griezmann couldn't jump from Atletico Madrid, a team that was fighting for Champions League finals to Barcelona, it was difficult there. So nothing is a given, but I think that some of those forward minutes, we talked about this youth movement, that if you're gonna add all these young players into the squad next year, and there isn't a big, big exodus, then you're going to have to give minutes and they're going to have to be taken from somewhere this year. So I mean, that's a thought experiment that we're going to definitely do after the Champions League, regardless of how far Barca go, whether it's Napoli or or onward. I think you and I, Francis, are really going to take the time to break down next season squad and look at the minutes that were available this year for certain players. And so if you try to cut into Luis Suarez's minutes, right, if you try to take 500 to 700 minutes off his season this year, who do you allocate those minutes to? The same thing. If you take 300 minutes off of PK and try to give him a little bit more rest next season, who gets those minutes? And I think we're going to take the time to do that. And that'll be coming in the future. But before we end the show, one quick one off here. Very rarely do I take a question from Twitter, but we had a good one here. Do you think Xavi is waiting until Messi retires before coming back?
3: Very good question. Um, (laughs) I've been thinking about this for a while. I didn't know this question was coming. Um, I think, bluntly, I think the mess at Barca is that big that Xavi couldn't really tackle it this season. Uh, Xavi or anybody, really. Uh, I think that, um, obviously, he was teammates with them, isn't it? I mean, Alba, Busquets, Pique will have to go. Um, And I really don't think that they should stay in the club for more than stretching it two years. Um, I would say next summer they they have to go. Um, As for Messi, I think obviously he's the best player to ever play the game. He's the most significant figure in Barca's history, um, and deservedly so. And I think that if he can take a step back and become a playmaker, I think he could stay beyond beyond next year. Um, Otherwise, obviously the flip to that is whether he actually wants to. Um, But I think Messi will have a much, much easier job shaping Barca into what he wants it to be if basically his old teammates weren't there. Alba, Busquets, Piquet, Suarez, Messi, Rakitic. If all, neither of those were in the team, I think Chavi would have an easier time. And uh, I don't know that all of those will be going by next summer, uh, which is why I'm a bit wary. I think, as, as Sandro Roussel even, I don't What's happening to me today? I'm agreeing with Bartomeo and Roussel quite a lot. Um, I mentioned I Luis where...
2: I, I mentioned Luis Figo. We're all, in, we're all in a bad place today.
3: No, no. Lu, Luis Figo, no. We never mentioned him. He's... Um, you know, he's been banned from this podcast. But um, Sandro Rousset said that Xavi really should go elsewhere first um, in Europe to, to grow before tackling the challenge at Barca. And I have to say that I think Xavi would be much more successful at Barca coming in three or four or five years' time than he would be he came next year. Um, I, don't wanna, I don't want him to come too early and get burnt. And I think that the mess that he will have to tackle, I think is too much for him to handle right now.
2: To play devil's advocate is that having Messi, one of his great friends, as the leader of his team, might actually empower him and make his first season at Barcelona a little bit easier in terms mm-hmm. of, I think that Xavi is a name, he is such a figure and a legend at the club that uh, unlike Kike Setien, who everybody turned on after his first loss, just like Ernesto Valverde, who, yes, he was a former Barcelona player, but he was not a major legend, he wasn't a major figure. So I think that Xavi is going to have a little bit more forgiveness thrown his way by the Catalan media and by Kules at large. And I think having Messi as basically the leader on the field for him, he is now, but uh, having Messi be an extension of Xavi is, I think, would be helpful to him. But I also see Sorry. your situation playing out just, uh, just as likely.
3: Yeah, that would be great. But I think Messi plus... I don't know, Suarez and Alba especially influencing him. That wouldn't be a good mixture for Xavi to come into. Messi by himself, surrounded by Ansu, Fati, Alanya, Ricky Puig, um, Trincao, Pedri. That would be a, a dream scenario for him. But someone above him at board level uh, really needs to have the cojones to actually make everything happen and shift those people out. Will yeah. that happen? We will have to wait and see.
2: Yep, well, we'll have to wait and see again. Now we're going through hypotheticals of future seasons. So I think that's a good place to leave it for the day. So Frances, I want to thank you and thank everyone else. For tuning into the show, you can tap in your app and check out the shows to subscribe. Find us on social media. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod at hiltond 13 for me, and on Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. Closed Facebook group is TVPod.link/backslash/group. Deeper dive discussions. That's where we got these questions from Ronda. So thank you for the listener questions. You can also help us out on Patreon to continue making these shows at tbpod.link backslash patreon I also did a quick take match review tactically breaking down Barca B's performance against Sabadell recently we're also on YouTube where we do special exclusive content there as well the Barcelona podcast check us out hit that subscription button it's all very helpful but thanks so much for listening to this the Barcelona podcast until next time we'll talk to you soon for Barca. Forza.